may grab your seat. Good morning again. If you weren't here at the very start, Happy New Year. Lovely to see you all. Happy New Year. I love how, I was saying earlier, I don't know if it's a Scottish thing or just an adult thing because I left Northern Ireland like right at the precipice of adulthood, but everyone here just says Happy New Year all the time. Like everyone you see, Tesco's must be a nightmare. Hello, Happy New Year. Hello, Happy New Year. Walking down the street, Happy New Year. It's like you have to say it once to every single person, but I'm saying it right once to everyone, happy new year. Great, now we're done. Okay, no, I'm kidding, it's great. I love the new year, I love a new moment like this, but um, so good to be together. We are at church, we've made it to church, so we know it is a Sunday, so we have emerged from that week between Christmas and New Year where we don't know what day it is or who we are or why we're eating chocolate, and we are here, and it's Sunday, and we're stepping into a new moment, and we are in January, it is 2022, Christmas is over, 2021 is over, and so we're standing together looking forward to what is next, probably feeling all of the things, unless you're one of those people who likes to like numb all the feelings. You might be numbing the feelings, or you might be embracing the feelings. Hopefully in the midst of all of that, there's some excitement, maybe some nervous anticipation. Okay, what is this next year going to hold? What is God going to do in my life, in our lives, in the life of our church, in the life of our city? If you feel jolted by the fact that it is January, you're not alone. I feel like we get to December at the end of a year and it's like, go, go, go. And there's so much good stuff happening and there's opportunities and there's busyness and there's events and we get to the end of that and then it's like, okay, I'm ready to hibernate. But you get what feels like a power nap and then you get Christmas with your family and then you're here and you're like, oh, wow, it's time to go again all too soon. And like bears woken too soon in the spring from their hibernation, we're sort of stumbling around a bit lethargic, uh, hungry maybe hangry perhaps and yet alas we are not bears so we have to live and we have to go to work and we have to get on with it and as we stand at this critical moment together my hope is that God would help us to get up and to be roused on the first alarm this year not to sleep through any of it if we don't have to there's a wee bit at the end of the book of Colossians which always gets my attention when I read through the New Testament. I caught my attention again over the Christmas holidays, and it's a bit where in chapter 4, 17, Paul writes this. He says, tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. It's this little sentence, kind of in the middle of his signing off at the end of his letter. He's given all of this instruction. He has directed the church in different ways, and then he's signing off and doing this kind of long sign off. And just in the middle of it, there's this interjected, clear, simple exhortation that's to be passed along to this person called Archibus, of whom we don't know very much, just to say, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. And Paul does so much throughout the Bible, so much of his writing is to direct churches or to train young leaders, but then there's also these moments where people get these momentary mentions and they might catch our attention. And Archippus is, we know he's Paul's brother in Christ, he gets a mention in Philemon as being a fellow soldier for the gospel. But we don't know much beyond that, except that he needed to pass on this message to him, and it made me wonder, okay, why did Paul need to pass on that message? Why did Archippus need the reminder? Why did he need the encouragement? Was he slacking? Was he tired? Was he near the beginning of something new? Was he near the end of something that he'd been going at for a long time? Why did he need encouraged? I don't know why he needed encouraged, but for whatever reason he did. He needed that encouragement. He needed to be encouraged to continue and to complete what he had received to do through Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do, which means 
Although our salvation, our future, our hope today, eternal life with God depends fully on what Jesus did on the cross, thank goodness, there's something about who we are, about who God has made us to be, which is just connected and we can't tear it apart from what God has made us for. He's made us for something. He's knit you together in your mother's womb for something. And he has a plan for your life and what he wants to do in your life. And that means that although I might look into a new year with so many hopes and dreams and aspirations that I can't even really, I feel a bit overwhelmed. I, I don't even know what I want to do in the next year. I want to step into 2022 believing that God has God-sized hopes for my life in the next year. And actually he, he's been dreaming of these things longer than I have. He wants to do things in my life that he's made me for. So as we stumble maybe into a new year, maybe we're skipping into the new year, maybe we're sort of dragging ourselves or being dragged into the new year, we maybe need encouraged. I know I need encouraged and I sense God encouraging me, speaking to me, Laura, see to it. <laughs> See to it, whatever you need to do to see to it that you complete the ministry I have given you, that you do the things I've given you, that you run the race I've set before you because of Jesus. And as we look ahead together to fasting week in just a couple of weeks time where we're going to pray and we're going to fast on behalf of our own lives and our church and the year to come and all those things, I want to be ready to ask God, okay, what is next what are you doing? What should I be praying for? Where are you moving? I want to be ready to ask him that. And as we do that, and as we ask, okay, how do I complete all that you've called me to? How do we as a church complete all that you've called us to? I sense for right now, for us at this, on the 2nd of January, there's a call to retrace our steps first, to look back before we go forward. Now, on a scale of one to Brian and Graham, we all enjoy goal setting a different amount, okay? Some of us love to set a goal, some of us not so much. But we are at the time of year where the whole phenomena of New Year's resolutions would tell us that generally speaking, it's a time of year where we reflect, where we think, okay, what do I want? What do I want to achieve? Who do I want to be? And how do I get there? And as we think about those things and we see maybe what the goal is, we maybe look at people who are doing that already or who have achieved the goal and we think, okay, how can I copy them to get where they are? If we want to be fitter, we might look to Joe Wicks, for example. Lots of people are. If we want to make killer TikToks, we might look to the Dampties, okay? We look to who we want to be like and then we go in that direction. So if we want to live lives of faith that make a difference, then it makes sense at this time of year to look to heroes of the faith. And I have been reading back over words from Paul, words from Peter over the last couple of weeks. And I want to just zone in on Second Peter uh, this morning as we begin. So um, I'm going to read from the very beginning of the book. You can follow along in your own Bible or on the screen. So it says this, it says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their past sins. 
Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. The first thing that caught my attention this week is how Peter addresses the letter. He addresses it to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. He describes his faith as precious, the faith that the church have received as precious. And as we step into a new year together and as we look ahead, it's going to be important as our very starting point to remember and to take hold of our faith as deeply precious to us. If something is precious, then it means that we hold it, we believe it to have high value. And we treat things that we consider to have high value differently to how we treat everything else. And quite often how we treat them reveals how much we value it or how much we truly value it inside. And I think back to some of my presents over Christmas and I know, okay, I have a general appreciation for all of them. Um, but I do value some of them more than others. And I know that I value some of them more than others because when you're asked what you received over Christmas, there's ones that immediately come to your mind. Maybe first and foremost, there's the ones that you, um, if you're the kid on Christmas Day, there's the ones that they bring to church. There's the ones that when you want to show off something, you might go back and be like, okay, this is what I got. Or the ones that you want to go back and um, if you're my dad, you'll just sort of look in your gift bags and just look at things again and again. Or you'll get the Celtic worship album straight into the car and play it on loop. Those are the ones that we value the most. We know which ones we value the most. And we remembered at Christmas the true value of our faith. We know that because God is with us, we have hope. We know that our, our faith is inherently, objectively valuable, but that doesn't always mean that we hold it to be a precious thing in our lives, that it is of highest value to us as people. Is it precious to me? Or am I doing the like life equivalent of keeping the gift receipts where maybe it's here or it's stowed away or it's somewhere and I'm generally appreciative, but it's never valuable enough that I want to actually put it on or show it off or tell anyone about it? Is it actually precious to me? Because I will live this year according to the value that my faith has for me. Brian reminded us on Boxing Day of the importance of getting the right things right as we step into a new year, and that will require us to take our faith as the most precious thing we have into a new year. And thankfully for us, it doesn't have to be a willpower exercise like so many of the New Year's resolutions that people might want to make. This doesn't need to be something we think ourselves into because actually faith in Jesus is just good. Jesus is purely good, so it doesn't have to be a willpower exercise. We're not the little girl on Christmas morning opening up the broccoli and thinking it's the best thing. We actually do have the best thing. Have you ever felt the, the wee, like, pull in your gut when someone in your life maybe doesn't understand the faith that you have, and they maybe love you, and they respect you, so they want to understand the faith that you have, and they might say something like, oh, you know, like, no, I get why you go to church. You know, community is really important, and you feel that little jolt, and you're like, oh, it's not about the community, though, is it? Like, this isn't what this is for me. I love our community here, but I know that community in a church isn't going to be enough to actually impact how I live my life at all. It wouldn't be enough to keep me on track. It wouldn't be enough to give me joy that's going to last or peace that's going to last. It's, if this was about community or if this was about moral living or if this was about bringing up our kids well, then we're opening broccolis. You know, it's not, broccoli's nice. I like it, but it's not good enough. It's not precious enough, a thing. But Peter in this passage reminds us that our faith is actually precious because it's in the God who has given us everything we need for a godly life. Just the goodness of the reality of what has been accomplished on the cross. Peter really zones in on this. And I think I sometimes think about what God has done in my life by saving me as if it's like a yellow stickered item in M&S. You know, I've got a good deal, so I should take it home and enjoy my picnic. <laughs> When in reality, it's like throughout the picnic, you know, God's done a much bigger, better work in my life than giving me a good deal. 
This is precious. Peter writes, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. As we retrace our steps at the start of a year, we look back with Peter and we can wonder at the complete work of the cross. Jesus, through Jesus, we have everything we need for a godly life. God has given us great and precious promises. And because we are children of the promise right now, as we live, we get to take part. We get to tap into his divine nature while we live right now. And we also get to escape everything that is evil, everything that is wrong, everything that is not in line with who God is. So as we remember that as being what is true, before we go any further, it's a moment to check our pockets and to see, okay, have I got everything that I need? Because this says I've been given everything that I need. I have access to everything I need. Have I got everything I need? Or have I got stuff here even that I'm not meant to have, that I've been rescued from, that actually I shouldn't be carrying into another year again? Have you lost things? I lose things all the time. So I spend a huge proportion of my life searching for things and pleading with God to help me find them. And sometimes, praise God, I do. But it's different depending on what I lose. If I lose a hair bobble, which I do all the time, it's not very precious to me. So I might look for it for a little moment, but then I'll think, oh, it's fine. I have another one, and if I don't, I'll buy some more. It's a hair bobble. This is fine. Who cares? If I lose my phone, which I do all the time, it is very precious to me. I will stop everything. Have you ever been with someone, and they think they've lost their phone just in the moment of, like, something else that you're doing, and they're just like, oh, my gosh, no, 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 no. You stop everything. You search for it. You don't stop until you find it. I lost my phone once on a ski hill which is as disastrous as you would think because you're, it's easily done. You know, you're skiing, having a nice time, you're Instagramming, shoot, it's out of your pocket. You get to the bottom of the hill, I realize the phone was gone. And you think, well, it's gone forever, possibly. But you still want to look for it because it's your phone and it's very precious to you. So we got on the chairlift, I go back up the hill. I'm looking out over the, the, the ski hill thinking, you know, maybe I will have been given supernatural sight and I will see my phone from this height and be able to identify it. Of course, I could not see my phone from the chairlift. I could not see where it was. So we did what you do when you lose something. You retrace your steps. I retraced my steps, even when it felt impossible because it was precious to me. And I skied back down the hill. And I didn't find it. But my expert skier friend did because he was able to look a bit closely, pay a bit more attention notice kind of the twists and the turns and where it might have dropped out of my pocket. That was a miracle. If you've lost something, if you are potentially going to step into a new year here and you've lost something that you once had or that God's word says you have and should have because of Jesus, this is the time to not be content to go into another year as if it's a hair bobble, but actually to be like, no, that, that was precious to me. That was precious to me before. I need to find that thing and don't do it alone, but do it with the expert skier. Jesus is really good at finding lost things and he can help you find it. 2021 was a wild ride. I don't know if you noticed, we were in lockdown until April. 2020 was hard. We've all kind of got to this point and some of us, praise God, might have got through relatively unscathed, but even those of us who have, it still was a thing. Others of you, others of us, it might feel like a bomb went off in your life. You might have had to grieve on your own this year. You might have had to travel through horrendous circumstances in a period of isolation, a time when you couldn't be with your loved ones. You might have had mental health crisis this last year. You might not feel like yourself. You might feel like you've lost yourself. If you've lost something, 
Sometimes we lose things. Sometimes the enemy steals things. Whatever has happened in your life, we want to see you get that back. We want to see that restored to you as you step into a new year. If you've lost faith, don't go on low on faith. If you've lost an assurance that you once had, you can have it back. If you've lost peace because the waves have been hard and fast, then we believe you can have peace again. If you've lost joy, maybe you've been hurt, maybe awful things have happened. We believe you can be happy again. You can experience joy in this next year. Don't be okay with having lost things as you step into another year. So as we're retracing our steps, you might ask, okay, God, what happened? And what was lost? And now, Jesus, can you restore that to me, please, as I step into this year with you? So to recap so far, as we retrace our steps, we're taking hold, firstly, of our faith as the most precious thing to us. We're thinking about, okay, why is it precious? It's precious because this is what has accomplished for us. And then there's an encouragement from Peter. He says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. I can't get much further than the words make every effort here. Make every effort to take your precious faith and then add to it goodness. Go after goodness. Go after knowledge. Go after self-control. Go after perseverance. Go after godliness that comes from that. Go after love. To make every effort is a really high bar. And it will mean that we can't be okay. We can't be content with living with less than what Jesus has bought for us at the cross, stuff that we just can take from him. Also, we can't live being held back by lies to make every effort. That'll hold us back. We can't keep going into another year like the walking wounded if there's a healing work to be done. Making every effort will mean that we give Jesus lordship in every area of our lives. And Peter says that as we live this way, the goal is that we will be effective and productive in knowing Jesus, in our knowledge of him. As we make every effort, if we are increasing in measure of these things in our life, then we're going to be more effective, we're going to be more productive in knowing Jesus. And it loops back because if knowing Jesus is precious to us, then we will do whatever it takes to be productive and effective in growing in knowledge of him. We do that in every area of our life. If I want to, if my goal is to increase my stamina as a runner, I might do red January and run every day in January. If I want to travel this year, if that's the goal, then I'm going to renew my passport and I'm going to save my money. If I want to cut down the caffeine in my life, then I need to abstain from drinking coffee. Everything that is precious, every precious goal that is uh, held in our lives will require us to train, create new habits or say no to things. And if our faith is most precious to us, then every plan and every strategy that we have for the next year will bow to Jesus. I want to quickly look at Philippians chapter 3, because in this bit of the book, Paul is writing about how he puts no confidence in anything earthly that could qualify him for any sort of godliness. And he writes, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Paul's life cry is, I want to know Jesus. I want to know Christ. He says, everything else in comparison to knowing Christ has no worth to me. I actually consider them garbage. 
in comparison to knowing Jesus. He says it again, I want to know Christ, yes, to know his, the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering so that I can die to myself and then be resurrected like him. And as we look ahead into the days to come, what is our life cry? Is it that we want to know Jesus most? Is that what we want most? Because if God is Emmanuel, if God is with us, then I want to know him. And I want to want to know him more than anything else. I want everything else I want in life to fade in comparison to knowing him. Paul goes on, he says, not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which Jesus, God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, by this point in his life, Paul's story is intense. He's experienced and done more than maybe any of us will in our lifetime, but he does not say that he's done. He doesn't think he's done. And so we check ourselves and we think, okay, maybe I feel battered, maybe I feel bruised, maybe I feel content, maybe I feel thankful as I step into another year. But whatever we feel, let's not feel apathetic as we go into another year because we're not done. We can't think that we're done. Because if we do, that's when we go through the motions, that's when we drift, that's when we end up going the complete wrong direction. It's like playing Mario Kart and dropping the controls one lap in. It doesn't work well, you don't win the race. But Paul acknowledges where he is in the race. He says, I'm not done, so I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And his language is strong. He talks about pressing on, straining towards what is ahead. And I find that actually a little freeing rather than pressure-inducing, where it's not like, okay, you need, to, you need to work harder, you need to do more, you need to strain towards what is ahead. But I actually think in reality, that's kind of what it feels like to be in the middle of the race feels like we have to press on, doesn't it? As we go into another year, it's like this doesn't feel, it doesn't feel easy all the time. It feels like this. So I like that actually, you know, I'm like, Paul, I'm with you. I'm also in the middle of the race and I'm going to press on. I'm going to strain towards what is ahead because I want to win the prize. And his prize is so clearly knowing Jesus. That is the prize and it is a worthy prize. It's good. Okay, so we're in the race. We're not done. And we're pressing on together because we're, we're saying, okay, Jesus, you are what we want most. Knowing you is what we want most as we go into this year. So above all, as I kind of get towards the end, my simple encouragement to you at the start of a new year is before you go any further, retrace your steps. Ask yourself some key questions. What has God done in you, in your life? And maybe in the last year, what has God done in you? Where were you? And what has God done? And it might not be a totally linear thing. But what has he done in you? What has he said to you? What has he said to you in the past? What has, he, what has he said to you recently? What is he speaking to you right now? What has God said to you? We forget or we write it down and then we disregard it if we write it down at all. What has God said to you? And then what has God called you to? Did he call you to something years ago? Has he called you to something just now? What has God called you to? What has he called you to above all in your life? remembering that. As I head into 2022, I'll be honest, my heart cry a lot of the time is, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? Because it doesn't look super clear ahead. I don't really know what the future holds. God, what are you doing? And my second question to God in the middle of the night is, God, can I do this? Can I do it? I don't know. Can I see to it that I complete what you've put in front of me? I don't know. Can I do it? What are you doing? But what has helped me to, to do this, I am as my glamorous assistant because I've got a prop, 
is um, I've done what I typically do at the start of another year and I've pulled out my journals again. <laughs> and I like to look back through these because they remind me, they help me to answer those questions. Okay, God, what have you done in my life? I look back and I see what he's done in my life through these journals because I don't always remember. Or God, what have you said to me? And I look back and I see what he said through what I've written down when he said it. God, what have you called me to? These books, these journals, I know which one has it. This one, third from the bottom, has a lot to do with what he's called me to in terms of ministry in this church. And I like to look back at that one sometimes and remind myself, okay, God, you've called me to something here. Do you have that way to look back, retrace your steps, whatever it looks like for you to do that at the start of the year? It helps us to think, okay, what's the prize? God, what have you done in the past? Have I lost anything? What do I need to do, Jesus? What do you need to do in me as I step ahead into the new year? I have a wee challenge um, for us, and it is actually some journaling prompts, which you might want to take a wee photo of. Um, I did them last night. They're not sublime. They're not like anything new or different to what you'll have seen anywhere else, so feel free to make up your own. But if it's, I just find it helpful sometimes just to have a few prompts and change them as you desire. I changed the first question. I don't like, I struggle to think, okay, what three words would I use to describe? Sometimes some people find that ha like helpful to kind of really narrow in. I was like, okay, words slash defining features of the year is kind of how I went for that one. Feel free to adapt, but just something between now and next Sunday, okay, take time before we're just barreling through another year, take time to retrace your steps the last year and think, okay, God, help me to see how you're at work so that I can go into another year with hope of how you're going to move and how you're going to do good things. Okay. We're going to go into your response time. I'd love you just to stand if you're able as we do this. The band are going to come back up. And I want to pray for us and just give uh, an opportunity, thanks, Emma, to respond as we, as we start to worship again, as we um, continue to hear what God has for us today. Holy Spirit, come and move and speak to us, Lord. Help us to respond to your word. And right now, Lord, I just want to bring before you anyone in the room who right now feels like they have lost something. Maybe they've lost faith. Maybe they've lost that assurance. Maybe they've lost a sense of who they are in you, Jesus. Maybe they've lost all confidence in what you've called them to or the, the idea that you've called them to things. God, people who feel like they've lost joy. Lord, they know who they are and you know who they are. So Jesus, just right now as we're here together, online in the room, I ask that you would come that you would highlight that to them and that you would speak truth over that situation, that you would speak your truth, that you can restore what's been stolen, what's been lost, that you can give where things have been taken. And Lord, we ask that you would do that right now. Would you restore hope in this room? Would you restore joy in this room? God, where we are wounded, would you do a healing work And God, for anyone right now who maybe feels lost themselves, Jesus, would you show them your kindness? Would you show them your love? And I just want to give an opportunity that if you're maybe someone and you've been dipping in and out over Christmas or you've been thinking about things over Christmas and you're like, I feel lost, but I want to walk this way. I want to want Jesus more than anything else in my life. I want to know him for myself then I'm just going to pray right now and you can join in with me if you agree with what I'm saying and if you do I would encourage you to let someone on our prayer team know or let me know but um, you can just pray along with me right now 
Jesus, I have felt lost or I've felt far from you or I've never known you before, but I want to know you. I want to give my life to you or I want to return to you. Help me to follow you. Come and live in me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Guide me and direct me all the days of my life. Help me to love you back the way you've loved me. And give me joy in my salvation. Joy in who you've made me to be. Joy in what you've made me for. Jesus, come. Fill my life. Have my life. It's yours. It's yours.